extend a welcome to you this morning. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Anyone want to adventure where that scripture is found? As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Well, that's fine. I, I couldn't have found it either. I would have probably guessed a proverb, maybe. But uh, it's actually the words of Moses speaking to the tribe of Asher at the conclusion of him leading them up to the Canaan land border. Those words were text to me a little over two weeks ago, or right around two weeks ago. And... Uh, I thought about those those words and meditated on those words for quite a while. Actually, Brother Ryan Hoover was the one that texted those words to me. And, and uh, so I had pulled up the text and was looking at it. Meantime, as I was studying and thinking about it and meditating on it, I Delvin started texting me about some things unrelated to anything scriptural or biblical. And uh, as sometimes has maybe happened to you, I, I responded to, I thought I responded to Delvin and I responded to Ryan. And I said, yeah, one o'clock. And of course, that's all the food he needed. He said, yeah, one o'clock would be an excellent time. And uh, <laughs> so we went back and forth. Finally, I, I, got, I it, it registered what was happening. And I said, well, I better get my sunglasses off so I can see what's going on. And then I still did one blunder after that. So I said, well, what can I say? A senior moan, perhaps? <laughs> And uh, so I said, well, I'll give credit due where credit is, is due. And I said, uh, he uh, gave the match that led to the inspiration for this sermon. And then he actually uh, messaged me a voice message and uh, was remembering their last visit here, albeit in a sad time. But he said, uh, him and Rosanna both said it made him feel homesick to come back and uh, be here. He said it was a span of about at least two years, he thought, since they had been back. So... Uh, so I thought about those words, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. And I didn't ask Ryan what prompted him to text that to me. I suppose he was considering some of the things we were facing and going through. But what I want to share with you is is uh, what it has meant to me and what it has inspired me through those words of Moses so long ago. And uh, so I want to look at some of the, I want to look at that setting. That setting is back, in, uh, the text is found in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse uh, 25, and it's actually just part of the verse. And I wasn't sure what to title my meditation this morning. At first I thought, The End of the Road. I thought, well, that sounds like an interesting name, The End of the Road. <laughs> but you know, that sounds kind of like uh, you're done after that, and really it's only the beginning. And so I, I thought some more, and I came up with what I thought was a better title, and that was Heaven's Perspective. And uh, I hope you'll understand why I... Uh, I chose that title ahead of the end of the road. In some ways, it is the end of the road for as we know life today or as we know life as it is, as we function and move and have our being. And it was, uh, I, I thought there was a lot of, uh, uh, I felt like at, at, uh, a kinship with Moses because in some ways we're, we're, we're somewhat at the same st- stage of life. Okay. Now I'm not a hundred and twenty. Moses was a hundred and twenty here. I'm only halfway there. So I don't know if the Lord will give me another sixty years or not. I'm sure I'm not going to hold him to that. Uh, but uh, clearly Moses' task was coming to an end 
and uh, Moses realized that. So I like to read uh, the setting of this. Uh, there's a lot of promises here, and that's what I want to look at first here is the, the promises that God, uh, through Moses, gave to the tribe of Asher, Asher here. And I want to begin reading at uh, verse 24 of chapter 33, read through the end of uh, 29, uh, verse 29, end of the chapter there. Verse 24, and of Asher, he said, let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren, and let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and thy days, so shall thy strength, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. Israel then shall dwell in safety alone. The fountain of Jacob shall be upon a land of corn and wine. Also his heavens shall drop down dew. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee. O people saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help. And who is the sword of thy excellency? And thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee. And thou shalt tread upon their high places." So I mentioned the setting here is Moses blessing the tribes of Israel here, and particularly, specifically, the tribe of Asher. If you look at the map of Israel, the different... I, I, don't understand, I haven't really studied how that each tribe was given its proportion, but Asher is along the Mediterranean coast, a narrow strip of land uh, up in the upper part of the, uh, the uh, land of Israel there, more toward the uh, northern part. And uh, that's, that was their allotted portion of land that was divvied out to them. Uh, I like to think that these promises, as I, as Moses was sharing these promises with the tribe of Azure, that they're promises that you and I can claim today as well. And uh, so I want to just look at some of these promises as a way of introduction, a way of encouragement to us. And then I want to narrow in just a little bit closer on, on Moses and God's relationship into the next chapter as well. The first one I noticed here in verse 24 is the blessing of posterity that God gave to Asher, and that is the blessing of children. He said it's something we take for, and I think it's something that we many times take for granted, our children. And uh, I was just reminded of that Wednesday evening as we were folding the reaching outs. We were sitting back there around the table, and, uh, you know, how many children were, were up and down this aisle and uh, side aisles and, you know, picking up the... Uh, Jacoby was... My right-hand man. As soon as I had one taped, not Jacoby, Trayvon, sorry, <laughs> Trayvon, Trayvon was my right-hand man back there at the table. As soon as I had one taped, he was ready to take it. And uh, then somebody took it from him. But, you know, they felt like they were helping. And, uh, you know, the blessing of children in, in a church, in a family life, is something that is, is, is not to be undervalued at all. And God, through Moses here, was pronouncing that blessing to Asher. You know, our culture today has dismissed the, the value and the worth of children, and uh, it can rub off on us, perhaps. The second thing I noticed there in verse 24 is the, is the uh, blessing of relationships. Let him be acceptable to his brethren. Um, I, I get the picture here of a, a, a relationship that is acceptable, it's peaceful, it was encouraging, well, a little bit like Ryan texting me that, that verse. Uh, you know, how many miles away? We lived together here for how many, how many years? And now he's serving in Virginia there at Mountain View. And, uh, you know, that, that relationship can still continue in spite of the distance and the miles, uh, that are between us. Uh, 
it can serve as an encouraging. And uh, that was some of the thoughts that he shared as he voice messaged me. He said, well, you know, praise God if, if I have encouraged you. And that's my desire this morning, that I would encourage you as uh, followers of Jesus to uh, have relationships that will encourage you in your walk with God. The second thing that I noticed there in verse 24 is the, the aspect of resources. So we had posterity, we had relationships, and then we had resources there. He talks about uh, letting uh, letting him dip his foot in oil. And uh, I guess the, the picture that I got there is a picture of abundance. You know, typically in the Old Testament, the head was what was anointed. But here they're saying, dip your feet in oil. He's saying he's going to have abundance. And as I read some of the commentators' thoughts on that, they said that Asher was was given a portion of land that seemingly had abundance of natural resources. And, uh, you know, we realize that, uh, I thought of that this morning as we were talking in the Sunday School lesson too. Uh, I don't remember what the connection was, but, you know, the, oh, I know what it was about emotions. We were talking about emotions. <laughs> uh, you know, we would probably say the woman, uh, Mary, was emotionally, uh, well, the disciples accused her of being emotionally extravagant when she broke that bottle of precious ointment on Jesus' feet. That was emotional. She did it. But, you know, it was from her heart. And that Jesus saw that. Jesus knew that she wasn't just driven by the emotions of how it would affect others, perhaps, or how it, you know, or, or what overwhelmed her. And I think her heart was what was motivating that emotions. And I think that's a key in understanding our emotions. If our heart is behind the emotional response of what we're doing, I think, is the key to whether it's headed the right direction or not. And uh, I'm not sure I have the total answer to the balance of emotions. You know, we we all have different levels of emotions. Some of us are. Most of us are probably of German background and tend to be a little more stoic. Our emotions are smothered under naturally. Uh, but again, that's, I'm not saying that as an excuse. Maybe we need to be more emotional. I don't know. Uh, well, I'll stop there. That's going on a rabbit trail. But uh, So the resources. God blessed Asher with resources. God has blessed us with resources beyond measure as well. The second verse there in verse 25 that I want to look at and... Uh, it, I want to focus in on the uh, the theme words that I used here, and as thy days, you know, God gives us the dosage of time that that He knew that we could handle, and that's a daily allotment, one day at a time. Uh, another aspect that is brought out here in that uh, thought of days is the fact that God knows the number of our days. I don't know the number of my days. <laughs> Uh, but God does. God knows the number of each one of our days here as we sit and, and worship together here this morning. God knows the number of our days. And we can have confidence that we will have strength according as God has allocated to each one of us the number of days that he has extended to us physical life. As I thought about strength, now I, strength you can think about, We probably the first thing that comes to mind is physical strength, okay? Physical strength, and but there's there's more to the human body than just the physical dimension. We have the this, we have the emotional and uh, and mental strength. You know that's another part of us, and then we also have the spiritual dimension of us. Which uh, again, I was I was going to ask that question in the morning. What this morning here in Sunday school? Lesson, what is actually the most important part of us? Is it spiritual, emotional, or physical? Three part being, uh, and and we need all of those facilities to be functional. I need my mental facilities. At least I'm hoping I'm making sense to you this morning. You look like you're connecting with me. But, uh, you know, 
we need the metal facilities to communicate truths. Uh, and again, I I don't understand. I understand very little about the mental uh, ability to do what we do. We, and again, we take it for granted until you don't have it many times. Um, going back to the spirit, uh, to the physical strength. You know what what gives us physical strength? Uh, you know we we understand that it's pretty basic. It's it's probably uh, you know where does physical strength come from? It's it's exercise, it's diet, it's rest, and they're all they all have to be in balance. Those three things, I believe, will build. Uh, good physical stamina, uh, good diet, exercise, and rest. Those three things. There's a lot of other factors that are in, but I think those three things are key to building physical strength. Then I think about the, the mental, uh, how do we build mental strength? And uh, I think uh, focusing on biblical values, uh, productive thoughts, not negative thoughts. And Delvin last Sunday preached about uh, you know, our, our thought life. And uh, some of the things, some of the truths that I gathered from others is uh, we need to learn to tolerate discomfort and unpleasant things. Uh, you know, our, our culture today doesn't like that aspect. Uh, you know, if it's uncomfortable, if it's uh, if it makes us feel unpleasant. But you know, we, there are things in life that that we learn through discomfort, through unpleasant, and it can make us stronger. Uh, Another truth that I, I was challenged with, he says, don't waste thoughts on things that you can't control. You know, if there's something beyond, totally beyond your control, there's no point in focusing and, and continually uh, letting that circle around your mind because it'll, it'll be a downward, likely be a downward spiral because there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, so those are some of the things as, as we think of mental aspects. We need to focus on biblical values, productive thoughts, not negative. You know, again, the negative, focusing on negative things can, can take us downward too. Then the spiritual aspect. What's going to make us strong spiritually? I think it comes from a close, open current daily. Notice that daily again. God gives us each a lot of dosage of a day, daily, relationship with God. God is actually the source of all strength. Whether it's spiritual, whether it's mentally, emotionally, or whether it's physical. I mean, I'm amazed time and time again how that, uh, you know, the, that, that the body, how the body is coordinated and works together. And, uh, you know, the ability to accomplish anything in life is, is to the glory of God. So as God has blessed you with days and strength according to your days, um, we can have confidence in that, in him that he has a plan for each one of us. And he has the number of days counted and he has our strength uh, according to those days, those days as well. Looking at verse 26, another promise, there is none like unto God of Jeshurun. And Jeshurun is actually just a nickname for Israel. Uh, if you look at the uh, what the commentators say, there is none like unto the God of Israel. We could put it in there without doing any injustice to it. Uh, I like to say... There is none like God, period. Okay? And I, I can't really enlarge in that. There is no comparison to God other than how do we, how do we even begin to describe Him? And how do we begin to, uh, expound on His greatness and His ability to care for us as His children and His people? And even as Moses was reflecting back on the way that God provided and cared for the children of Israel as He brought them out of the land of Canaan. He mentions there, it's interesting too, he writeth upon the heavens in thy help. And uh, thinking about the thoughts that Delvin made in the opening here, 
some of the things I have written down. The sky, the heavens, the sky are our visual communication link with the God who dwells beyond. And uh, God, I believe, communicates messages through the sky. Ken. Maybe not the primary way, but it is one way that he can he can uh, communicate to us. Verse 27, the eternal God. We don't have to worry about God getting tired. God is eternal forever, forever and ever. And I don't know how long that is. I mean, I can't describe that either. We're, describe, we're talking about things that we can't describe this morning. How long is eternal? From everlasting to everlasting. Talks about refuge. How much do I need refuge this morning? How much do I need refuge in life in general? You think of the many times that God has protected and cared for us. Um, another thing that stood out to me in verse 27, it says, and then underneath are the everlasting arms. So if all else fails, there's still underneath them everlasting arms of God underneath there to carry us through. And I didn't ask Delvin if I could give this little story or not. I may have given it before, but... As I thought about that, I've thought about an incident that happened probably when, when Delvin was, I don't know how old he was, two or three perhaps. But, uh, he'd ride with me on the feeding tractor, and I, he'd ride, he'd stand between me and the tractor fender, and this was an open station, station tractor without a cab on, and I, I put my one arm around him, I felt fairly safe there with him because I always had my arm around him. Well, as I was done feeding that night, and I think it was a Sunday evening, I pulled into the, uh, shed there where I kept the tractor and feed wagon and uh, Delvin's right back there rubbing his chin <laughs> and uh, did I tell you this story before? anyway I'll continue so anyway I'd sit him, I'd sit him on the fender it was a 3010 John Deere I'd sit him on the fender and then I'd climb down the steps and I'd turn and hold my arms out and catch it now I, I couldn't do that today but yeah, hard to imagine, but anyway, I don't know what happened that Sunday night. I think we were, there was church that Sunday evening, I believe. I don't know if I was preoccupied with what was taking place or gonna take place. So, somehow he jumped and I was not ready. And down he went. And, uh, so my arms were not adequate to, to catch him. I don't know, like I said, I don't know if I was preoccupied. I don't know if he jumped before I was ready or what, but he hit the dirt. And, uh, I think he's still got a scar there on his chin from that yet, but, uh, you know, as I thought about that, as I read this verse, I thought about, you know, we'll never catch God unprepared. We can jump. Delvin, you can jump in faith this morning. And all of us can jump in faith. God's arms are going to be there to catch you. You know, I'm human. I wasn't prepared. I was distracted. God will never be distracted. He'll be there to catch you if you jump in faith. Had to think about what all we use our arms for, as we think of God, the under everlasting. Um, underneath are the everlasting arms, and uh, you know, think of life without arms. And uh, God, I like that description of God, the ability to to catch us, to communicate to us, and uh, you know, give us direction, pointing, helping, working, stability. You think of all those aspects of what God's arms can do for us giving us direction, giving us, uh, you know, keeping us safe, giving us stability. Verse 28 talks about the uh, providence of God. Israel shall, then shall dwell in safety. Uh, talks about a fountain. I think of abundance, corn and wine, uh, the dew of blessing from God. There again we see 
uh, I think, God's provision for them. Verse 29 talks about, Happy art thou, uh, you know, saved by the Lord. He is our shield. You know, what is our definition of happiness? What would be your definition of happiness this morning? Uh, Think about it this morning. True happiness isn't really dependent on circumstances. It isn't dependent on circumstances. True happiness isn't. Uh, But I believe true happiness is knowing that we are saved by a God that has provided salvation for us. And I think that's what he's mentioning here. Happy art thou, Israel, who is like unto thee. We can claim that promise this morning if we have experienced salvation in God this morning. Now, I know it's one thing for me to say that happiness is not dependent on circumstances, and I thought about our brethren and sisters in Haiti this morning. Could I say that this morning if I was in captive, if I was a captive of the kidnappers there in Haiti? Could I still be happy? Well, Paul was, gives us an example. He was captured many times in prison and chains and bonds, and yet he still rejoiced with the Lord. And, and I hope that could be our experience as well. And we pray that that's their experience in Haiti too, that God, who has saved their souls, is still giving them and blessing their lives with happiness. Again, it's not that which we conjure up in our own strength, but only as we maintain a vibrant relationship with the God who has saved us. And again, it's not contingent on on the physical things around us, but rather on on, on what has transpired within our hearts and lives spiritually. Well, those are just a number of the blessings as, as I think of the backdrop for what I want to look at here secondly, and that is uh, some of the moments in Moses' life as I, I continued on here in chapter 34 as I, as I thought about those promises and as I thought about Moses here pronouncing uh, these blessings to the different tribes, and I only looked at one of the tribes here, Asher here. But uh, then it goes into uh, Moses' uh, experience in talking with the Lord. And uh, I like to read uh, verse, uh, chapter 34, verses 1 through 8. And Moses went up from the plain of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah, that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Naphtali, and all the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the, most, unto the utmost sea, and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees unto Zor. And the Lord said unto him, this is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Bethpor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural forces abated. Now that connects directly to the verse, the, the scripture verse there in verse 25, I believe. As, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. And, uh, that verse there, that description there of, of Moses always, uh, always challenges me when he says he was 120 years old and his eye was not dim nor his natural forces abated. You know, this is a familiar saying to most of us, you know, life isn't measured by the number of breaths that take by the number of breaths you take, but by the number of moments that take our breaths away. And I think that's the way Moses lived life. His, his life was measured by the, his walk with the Lord and, and the moments that took his breath away as he, as God communicated and channeled his, his love through him to his people. Moses lived, I believe, that kind of a life. There was one, 
uh, one specific thing here we notice in, in this account of Moses is the fact that Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land because of his, his uh, uh, unwillingness. I shouldn't say unwillingness. In his uh, carnality, he smote the rock rather than just speak to it. Now, you may say, well, that doesn't sound like a big infraction. That, this happened back uh, in, uh, in, in Exodus 17, actually, when the children of Israel were passing through the wilderness. He was instructed to smite the rock, which is a type of, of, of Christ. The rock was a type of Christ. And, and as he was told to smite the rock, that first incident was a type and a symbol of, of Christ being crucified on the cross. So he was slain. And the second incident where, again, they were, the children of Israel were without order, and God clearly instructed Moses. He said, take your rod and gather the people and then speak to the rod. And Moses, in his frustration, anger, I don't know what it was, he instead smote the rock twice. And God was upset with him for, for breaking that symbol and, and type. Because that rock is, is the new, uh, then the New Testament type of Christ that we ought to bring our, our, uh, our prayers and supplications to God. He already was crucified uh, in that first type, back in Acts chapter 17. And then in the uh, Numbers 20, where the second account is given, Moses broke that type by smiting the rock rather than just speaking to it. And uh, Moses had, had beseeched God that he could still... God had told him that you're because of your dis, your disobedience, you're not going to be able to pass into the land of Canaan. And Moses had a, approached God on that. And uh, in my own words, God told Moses that don't bring this up again. We're done talking about it. I made up my mind. And uh, so you need to respect Moses'... Uh, I don't, we don't have recorded in the scripture that Moses ever came back begging to God. Yeah, I, like to, I like to get into that land of Canaan. And, uh, you know, it seems like kind of a harsh punishment. A little bit like our Sunday school lesson, maybe, perhaps. And that's one of the things that fascinates me the most is the fact that, if I if I have it correct, I think uh, Yaza was the son of Jehoiakim, I think, where the, where the ark had been stored. And, you know, so I don't know if he got too familiar with it. And I don't know. I mean, how long was the ark there? I don't know. But, again, that's that's a different story. But uh, God is, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. And uh, God knew Yuz's heart. God knew Moses' heart. God knows our hearts this morning. And uh, so this offense kept Moses from entering Canaan. And uh, Moses in his humility and meekness, I believe, stands out through all of this. It seemed like he was willing to accept that, okay, that's the price I paid for my disobedience in, in smiting the rock and... Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's impressive. God gave Moses a very, very uh, interesting heart and 20th birthday gift, didn't he? he? He said, get up to the top of the mountain here and I'll show you from a distance. And, uh, you know, I don't. I think he had a, a better vision probably than, I don't know what the span of miles would have been. I should have calculated that out. But it looks like a pretty good span. Of, I think he had probably more than 20-20 vision there. Uh, I think God blessed him with something beyond that because he showed him uh, the land of Canaan and uh, left him view the promised land from afar. And, uh, you know, Moses could have been wallowing in self-pity and, and, oh, for one little infraction, you know. But, you know, Moses seemed to take it in stride, and he was I think he was blessed and encouraged that God allowed him that glimpse of the Canaan land. Well, a birthday and a funeral celebration all in one day, it seems like, at least according to that 
the way the scripture read, and from what I read in some commentators, that he probably died on that same day on his birthday. Uh, I stand corrected if I'm wrong on that, but uh, and it's interesting the way God cared for Moses. I'm impressed with that. Talk about the the everlasting arms underneath Moses, Moses. And you know what would Moses' death certificate read? It looks like he maybe just laid down, shut his eyes, and God took him. I don't know. I mean, we read how his 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 eye was not dimmed and his strength was not abated. What what? You know, you know what it was? It was the word of the Lord. Really, God said, "Your time is up," and that's the way it will be for each one of us at some point in life. God is going to say, uh, "It doesn't matter what the death certificate says; it doesn't matter what medical science says we died from." But when God says our time is up, it's up, and uh, that to me is a challenge. As I think about that, you know, God is the giver of life, and uh, we trust our lives to Him. No headstone, no grave marker for Moses. Uh, you know there. There's no finer epitaph could have been given than what God gave Moses in chapter 34, verses 10 and 12. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants, to all his land, and in all that mighty hand, and in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. That's God speaking about what God accomplished through through the life of Moses. What will your epitaph say? What would God say about you? What would God say about me this morning? It's not so much what's inscribed on a stone. So I thought about Moses here, and uh, there's another incident came to mind, and I'm not sure that I have in Jude, if we read in the book of Jude, verse 9, there was a dispute there between Michael and the archangels when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses and durst not bring against him a railing of accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. So I don't know what the devil was disputing with Michael the archangel about the body of Moses. I don't know. So what I'm sharing with you this morning is just simply my speculation. Uh, what do we know about, what do we know about Satan? What do we know about the devil? Well, first of all, I believe we know that, uh, um, he likes uh, he, he's, he's the author of false worship and he likes things that are dead to worship so if he could have uh, if he could have had the body of Moses and had it enshrined in a tomb you know what would have been the likelihood of, of the children of Israel idolizing that body perhaps I don't know again that's just my uh, my surmising uh, what what Satan could have wanted with uh, the body of Moses Uh he fosters, the devil fosters dead religions. And again, if he could have idolized, somehow idolized the body of Moses to the people, that would have uh, distracted them from uh, the true worship of the true God. Job also has uh, thoughts. He says, uh, I think had a good perspective of that. Again, that's Old Testament, Job 14, verse 5. Our days and months are in God's hands, Job 14, 5. Do I have that level of faith and trust that my... My life, my breath, my strength is in God's hands, whether it's 20 years, whether it's 40 years, whether it's 60 years, or whether it's 120 years. Uh, do I have that level of trust and confidence? Uh, Psalms 116, verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So while the children of Israel were in a transition here, Moses was done leading, his job was finished, his task was accomplished, God was pleased to... Take him home and bring him home. Uh, 
John 21 verse 19 talks about the saints glorifying God in their death. Now I have a question for you this morning. Did Moses ever make it into the land of Canaan? Dawn is nodding her head yes. What do you think? Is she right? Moses ever make it into the land of Canaan? What's your thoughts? Transfiguration? Yeah. We don't know exactly where the, where transfigure, where the Mount of Transfiguration is, but we're assuming it was probably in Canaan land. And uh, we could turn there in, the, in Luke chapter 9, verse 28 and 36, when Jesus took uh, the inner circle of his disciples up on top there. Who was there? It was Moses and Elijah. And uh, so Moses did get into the land of Canaan, not in this life, but in the life beyond and uh, so that's a challenging thought to me as I think about that. Uh, uh, Moses finally had his full reward. He wanted to be there. And uh, the things they talked about I thought were fascinating too. As as he was there with Jesus there in the Mount of Transfiguration, they talked about, they, as they shared together, they talked about uh, his uh, Jesus' de- impending uh, crucifixion. You know, here was Moses that had experienced something that, there I say Jesus had not experienced yet. Uh, I don't know what Jesus' understanding. We believe he knows everything and he knew what was coming. But he did not, he had not experienced a bodily death like Moses had. Now Moses had not experienced the crucifixion, but he did know what ordinary people were to work with too. And, uh, uh, so, you know, he knew what Jesus was up against to a certain degree. And it says as Moses and Elijah communed together, I think they strengthened him and encouraged him to stay on the course. This is something that we can't miss. And praise the Lord, it, it uh, it's it's a powerful message that uh, that Moses ministered to our Lord and Savior, and he continued on with that uh, plan of redemption, so that you and I can experience that today, even yet today. As I thought about Moses' experience, you know, our the lesson I think the take home from Moses' experience here is that. While we're in this life, our focus needs to be on obedience. And Moses, uh, Moses, you know, displayed that so, so pointedly. That one mistake he had <laughs> that we have recorded. I don't know if there was more or not, but you know, we know that he wholly followed the Lord. And, uh, we don't need to, bur- we don't need to worry about, uh, our focus needs to be on obedience and let the rewards in God's hands. And, uh, so I reflected back over these truths this morning. There's four things I want you to think about. First of all, I believe we need to live life one day at a time and then treasure that day. Live it one day at a time. That's the way God gives it. We have no promise for tomorrow, but we have today. And we need to live that at its fullest and treasure that day. The second thing I think that will help us to appreciate that day is to claim God's promises. God has given us these promises for a purpose and for inspiration and for encouragement. We need to claim God's promises. It will keep us healthy, mentally, spiritually, physically, I believe. Thirdly, God has our days and strength in balance. We don't need to worry about the future. God has our days and strength in balance. And the last thing, number four, the best is yet to come, and we're not home yet. Let's be faithful to the end.